Hey, thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. Today on the show, we're doing a little survey of this year's Pride Month activity, looking at how America celebrated her established religion, including the arrest of a Pennsylvania street preacher, California's continual breaking of the Fourth Commandment, and we're going to learn about Kayla Lovedahl, dip our toe into the Magdeburg Confession, and uh, get an update on Ferndale's third annual Pride March and how the LGBTQ protesters treated my Roman Catholic friend on his way to officiate the Latin Mass. All that and more is coming up right now on Cross Defense. Welcome to Cross Defense. This is the show that aims to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, and we do it all with God's Word. I'm your uh, sick host today, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell. I am sick. I'm the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church, the golden lampstand of the Lost Coast, illuminating the light of Christ into a dark and depraved world. If during the course of the show you decide you'd like to send us your comment, your question, or your bits of biblical brilliance, because I know you got them, you can do so through the contact page at stmarksferndale.com slash contact. That's S-T-M-A-R-K-S ferndale.com slash contact. Or if you have a general comment and you want to leave a rating and review on the platform that you use to tune into this show, we'd appreciate that as well. And uh, with that... Let's get into the show. It's over, my friends. 2023's Pride Month is over. This year, we had topless men and women at the White House where the pride flag flew between two American flags, revealing that America's president has culturally, though not legally, established LGBTQ pride as America's religion. This flag-flying shame hit home here in Humboldt County as well as our Board of Supervisors hoisted the rainbow colors on every county flagpole for the first time, proclaiming that it would be flown every June henceforth. So, how was America's religion celebrated where you live? That's what I want to know. So, use stmarksferndale.com slash contact to let us know. And given that today, as we're airing the show, is Canada Day and the two nations share the same idol worship, how's the LGBTQ liturgy looking up north? Are your magistrates still arresting Christians for trying to bring drag queens and their acolytes to repentance? Well, it's not just happening in Canada, my friends. In Reading, Pennsylvania, a street preacher called Damon Atkins, a 41-year-old man, attended an LGBTQ pride event with a sign that read, Jesus said, go and sin no more. From John 8, 11, I'm sure you know. And do you remember the context of that verse? What it's all about? Turn with me to John 8, starting at verse 3. We read, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, to Jesus, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him, Jesus. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and he said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. So why would a street preacher have those words of the Lord on his sign? Not out of pharisaical arrogance. That's the LGBTQ disposition. Because 
as I hear all the time, given the circumstances here in Ferndale, when the proponents of LGBTQ sin can't dispute the truth that they're advocating for sin, they lean into it and they point out that Jesus came and he hung out with sinners. It's an attempt to flip the script and to paint us, Orthodox Christians, as the Pharisees and Jesus as a progressive who's, who's okay with their sin, who actually condones it. The preacher's sign is dismantling that lie, the lie that Jesus is okay with sin by showing with Christ's own words that his interaction with sinners didn't leave them in their sin, but pulled them out of it and pulled them into a life of repentance and consequently a life of forgiveness. And he says in John 5, 4, again, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. So don't keep on sinning. Don't make your situation worse than it is. That's the opposite of the LGBTQ legion's lie, isn't it? I think Atkins chose a good verse to put on his sign, especially given that homosexuality is just one of many vile forms of adultery. That's the context of Jesus' words. We don't have to get into the abominable nature of homosexual perversion. Adultery is evil all on its own. The sort of evil that leads to delivering a person over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved. It's a 1 Corinthians 5.5 thing, right? Well, the Christian preacher, for his trouble of trying to proclaim the word of God to those who are proud in their homosexual and trans behavior, all the LGBTQ sins, the Christian preacher, he was arrested after a police officer confronted him on public property and told him to let them have their day and to respect it. He wasn't being respectful enough, according to the police officer. You've heard of the kindness police? Well, that's literally who arrested our brother in Christ. Take a listen. You know who's cheering for us? The people that are in hell. So you do you, and I'm going to do me. This is public property. You. God is not... That's God, this will be The charges didn't stick, however, thanks be to God. The local district attorney agreed that the preacher's detainment was a violation of his First Amendment rights. That was Pride Month in PA. How was it where the one true God has placed your golden lampstand? stmarksferndale.com slash contact. Use that to send in your experience this Pride Month. How was it celebrated in America where you live? In Canada, wherever you live, across the world. How was this cult, this false religion, celebrated in your neck of the woods? Now, out here in California, speaking of attorneys, our attorney general, Rob Bonta, sent out an email saying, the LGBTQ pursuit of equality knows no boundaries. He vows to continue using every tool at his disposal to protect and promote the equality and well-being of LGBTQ plus individuals in California and across the nation. And now, at his disposal, thanks to the passing of AB 957, that includes, one of the tools at his disposal includes charging parents who don't affirm their gender-confused child's declared gender, not the true gender, but the declared gender, to charge them with child abuse. The Daily Wire reports, the bill amends section 3011, the family code which deals with child custody and requires that a court determining the best interests of the child must consider affirmation of transgender identity 
If a parent were to deny the child's gender identity, it would be a violation of the child's health, safety, and welfare, equivalent to child abuse. Because the bill changes the definition of what constitutes the health, safety, and welfare of a child, any organization interacting with children, including schools, churches, and hospitals, would be required to affirm gender transitions in minors. The journal, Compact, points out that the parents' lack of gender affirmation is in a list with history of abuse, habitual use of illegal drugs, and presence in the child's life. So, neglect. A loving parent who tells their child the truth can lose custody of their child because the state sees their lack of delusion as equivalent to physical abuse, neglect, and general depravity. But did you catch the mention of churches? So I'm curious, what's the penalty? I'm a pastor in California. What's the penalty? If I don't, because I won't, lie to a child under the influence of the demon of confusion. What's the penalty, Mr. Bonta? I want to know. This bill passed eight to one here in California, and so it's uh, terrifying that the one sensible senator who voted against it, Scott Wilk, a lifelong Californian, that he encouraged California parents to flee the state. Here, have a listen. I'm now in year 11 in, in the state legislature, and all the time we're proposing policies to protect children. Well, after 11 years, I've come to a conclusion that we need to start protecting parents. That's just not happening. I've been here and witnessed a, a full frontal assault on charter schools, taking away parents' uh, choice and how their children are going to be educated to the detriment, particularly of children of color. Uh, in recent years, we have put government bureaucrats between parents, children, and doctors when it comes to medical care. And now we have this, where if a parent does not support the ideology of the government, they're going to be taken away from the home. Now, I agree with both Senator Weiner and Senator Laird that today it only involves divorce proceedings. And frankly, a, a judge can already factor, factor this in. But I can assure you it's not going to end with divorce proceedings. In the past when we've had these discussions and I've seen parental rights um, atrophied, I've, 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 encur I've encouraged people to keep fighting. I've changed my mind on that. If you love your children, you need to flee California. You need to flee. We are moving towards the pathway of, of the hands made tale. California is becoming the new Juliet. And it, it just breaks my heart. I'm born and raised in this state. I love this state. I'm not going to stay in this state because it's, it's just too oppressive. And I believe in freedom. And so I'm going to move to America when I leave the legislature. I understand the senator's concern for California families. The California Family Council reports yet another bill stating the Senate Judiciary Committee advanced yet another bill, 665, which would allow children as young as 12 years old to consent to their own mental health care and to being placed into state-funded group homes without parental perm permission or knowledge. The bill would allow mental health professionals to give children these services upon their request, even if the children are not experiencing abuse or neglect at home. In other words, it enables a child to decide whether to leave his or her family or get counseling at the age of 12. Further, the bill doesn't even require a court to hear the side of the parents. A child can simply consult a community mental health provider and decide not to come home from school one day without any evidence of wrongdoing by the parents. The state of California, and by that I mean the magistrates and their hired employees, are actively undermining God's will by undermining the authority of parents to parent their children and for children to honor their parents. Hear me plainly. 
California's governing officials are causing little ones to break the fourth commandment. Review for the equipping of our minds. Let's review what is the fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother. What does this mean, we ask? And we answer, we should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them and obey them, love and cherish them. The other authorities mentioned would include California's civil authorities. But what have they done? They've pitted their authority against that place where that authority originates, God. And also from the parents, from the household. We honor the various civil authorities in the world only because they are an extension of parental authority. That's it. That's where they derive their authority from. Parents, families, living among other families. And so outsourcing authority to those like police officers and teachers and, and pastors and, oh, and attorney generals and state legislatures and things like this, the governor, the president, whatever. Listen to Jesus' words on this in Mark 7, 8 to 13. You leave the commandment of God and you hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. Dear saints, our civil authorities, they are teaching against the commandment of God. They are teaching against honoring father and mother. And they have a fine way of handing down their new man-made traditions. Our civil authorities have embraced America's LGBTQ religion. And indeed, indeed they have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish their own religious traditions. And of course, we know that these sorts of laws, as well as the cultural sway they give to devotees of the LGBTQ religion, they disavow what we read in Ephesians 6, 1-3, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Friends, have you thought about the promise of this fourth commandment in relation to the health issues that transgender children will have in their future? that it will shorten their lifespans and it will make their days that they do have burdensome with health problems. Things like osteoporosis, cancer, cardiac and pulmonary problems, etc. The Lord is faithful. The willful breaking of the fourth commandment is leading to life in the land that is not well for these children who don't honor their father's and mothers. You might call the fourth commandment promise the carrot. Let's take a break, and when we get back, we'll consider the stick that goes along with it, the stick that, I should say, Jesus gives us. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to Cross Defense. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, 
and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at kfuo.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back across the fence, my friends, and we are getting through this episode, even though I'm sick, and I'm sorry if it's coming through in my voice. I don't mean to make this an uh, unpleasant experience for you on the other end of this, but we're getting through the, the uh, episode, and we're having a good time doing it because we're looking at God's Word, and specifically as it relates to the culture we live in and America's established religion of LGBTQism. We just wrapped up 2023's Pride Month, their High Holy Month, and we're wanting to know how that looked in your part of the world. Go to stmarksferndale.com slash contact, that's S-T-M-A-R-K-S, ferndale.com slash contact to let me know how that looked in your part of the world. Here in California, we have laws that are being passed that are setting children apart from their parents, against their parents, pitting them against father and mother. And so we're losing the promise of a well-lived life because of that. And so that's the promise that we want to consider the carrot. And if we do consider it the carrot, then perhaps Jesus' words in Matthew 18, 6 and 7 can be considered the stick. But whoever causes one of these little ones, Jesus says, who believe in me, so that could be a little one who's five or a little one who's 50. Whoever causes a Christian who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptation to sin. For it's necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptations come. And this is why we care so much about preventing the LGBTQ indoctrination of children into their demonic cult. And it's also why we care so much about the indoctrination of adults who are wore down and see the sway of the culture moving toward the left and go along with it even though they're Christian. Sin abounds here. People are being tempted into well, let's say, away from the Christian religion and into the LGBTQ religion, it would be better for anyone doing that to have a millstone fastened around their neck than to lead one of God's people away from Christ. We don't want anyone to be led into sin. And it's why it's important that we engage America's state-endorsed religion from both kingdoms of God, doing what is called, what we're called to do, both ecclesially in the church and civically in, in the state. We have a great hold on this as Lutherans, my friend. And it's, we need to engage them. It's why we need to engage on both fronts. The LGBTQ issues are church issues. They're theological issues. And they're being pushed by the state. It is the state's religion right now. Like I said at the beginning of the show, if not legally, most certainly culturally. And you know this here in America when you see the president of the United States of America hosting LGBTQ lawn parties during Pride Month and moving the American flag from the center standard position to the flanking positions so that the pride flag can fly at the middle, in the middle, at the center. Churches aren't pushed like this, but this false religion sure is. Well, guess what? No other church is as well-suited to engage these false doctrines as the confessional Lutheran church, as we are. We are the church of the Augsburg Confession, and we are the church of the later Magdeburg Confession. We are the church that successfully stood up against the church-state amalgamation known as the Holy Roman Empire. We stood up against that, and we rightly engaged the battle on both the church and the state fronts, and we did it successfully, changing the world for the better because we were able to rightly distinguish between both kingdoms and engage properly. 
Consider these words, my friends, from the Magdeburg Confession. They're amazing. And consider them in terms of the LGBTQ issues that we're dealing with today, and consider them with a humble heart that is repentant and trusts Christ. We read, You don't think this struggle concerns you, and therefore, for the sake of your peace and pleasures, you watch it idly. Or is the damage that has happened, or rather that is presently going on, not yet able to admonish you? How prettily you have shown your wisdom, partly by lying low during the, the peril of your brothers, as though these matters did not pertain to you at all, and, and partly by aiding the impious to inflict this calamity? At least you are prudent, or at least after you have been stricken once, you allow yourselves to be warned about your duty by the outcome, which is how fools are usually educated. Thus, all the pious now ought to be affected in this common distinction of circumstances, just as if the members of their own bodies were being chopped off, or as if demons of hell were standing over them even now, about to snatch their souls away to eternal destruction, which, to be sure, will happen, so long as the true religion is snatched away from them by so many different sorts of tricks and violence. <laughs> is that not what's happening right now? For among Christians especially, there ought to be true bravery of this sort, and it especially behooves them not to despair of God's deliverance even in the greatest straits. For we know that he is especially accustomed to bring his church down to the depths so that he may plan to bring them back up. 1 Samuel 2. Affliction usually begins from the house of the Lord and ends at last upon the impious. 1 Peter 4, we do know the limit of these things, how far God will permit the impious to rave so against us. For the most part, he delivers marvelously when things have been brought to the pitch of desperation and are plainly lost, as he delivered Jerusalem by a marvelous outcome when all their neighboring places had already been overturned, 2 Kings 19. Let us not, therefore, despair of the omnipotence of our God, nor let us imagine that his strength has been diminished by our weakness, or his arm made short. The cowardice of ours is a great crime. Gentile men, who knew nothing certain about God or about the immortality of the soul and eternal life often submitted to death far more bravely on account of political causes than we Christians, ah, shame, do for the true religion of Christ. Oh, what delicate martyrs we are, not to say Epicurean bellies. And by that is meant people devoted to pleasure rather than God people who are preoccupied with what we call our creature comforts here in America. Amsdorf goes on to say, for this is most certain, that we hold the true religion and that we can do nothing more holy than to labor, to conserve it, and thereby bring our lives and property into extreme danger, but each in his own place and rank without confusion. Yes, he says, we are to bring our lives and our property into extreme danger, he says. Each one of us doing so according to our vocation. How inspirational, dear saints. How inspirational were the Magdeburg Lutherans. These people were awesome. Good stuff, yeah? And that mention of vocation that each is holding to the truth according to his own place, leads us to another report from the California Family Council. It's titled, CA Doctors Get Sued for Giving a 13-Year-Old a Double Mastectomy. And it's dated June 26, 2023. 
We read, Kaiser Foundation Hospitals, Permanente Medical Group, and the doctors who guided a teen through hormonal and surgical transgender procedures are facing a lawsuit from another individual who has been victimized by gender-affirming care and is now detransitioning. Kyla Lovedahl, along with her legal representation from the Center for American Liberty, filed a lawsuit on June 14th in the San Joaquin County Superior Court in California. The lawsuit alleges that medical professionals expedited Kayla's gender transition process starting at 12 years of age, a decision she now profoundly regrets. This case is about a team of doctors, the lawsuit says, who decided to perform a damaging imitation sex change experiment on Kayla, then a 12-year-old vulnerable girl struggling with complex mental health comorbidities who needed care, attention, and psychotherapy, not cross-sex hormones and mutilating surgery. Kayla faced challenges with her mental health while growing up, and she came across influencers online who identified as transgender. And these individuals influenced Kayla to believe that she too had been born the wrong gender. Consequently, Kayla told her parents that she identified as a boy, as detailed in her lawsuit. Seeking guidance on how to handle the situation, Kayla's parents sought advice from the doctors involved in the case who immediately and negligently affirmed Kayla's self-diagnosed transgenderism without adequate psychological evaluation, promptly placed her on puberty blockers and testosterone at the age of 12, and performed a double mastectomy within six months at the age 13. The lawsuit claims that Kayla's physicians neglected to ask about the psychological factors or accompanying conditions contributing to her gender confusion. Furthermore, the legal action alleges that the medical professionals failed to adequately obtain informed consent from Kayla and her family, neglecting to disclose the substantial health risks associated with the administration of off-label puberty blockers and male hormone medications to a young female. The family was informed that Kayla's dysphoria would not alleviate unless she pursued chemical or surgical transitioning and that her failure to transition posed a significant suicide risk. This is a common lie that families are fed to pressure them into going through with these dangerous treatments. The reality is that gender transitions cause far more harm physically and psychologically to patients than they do good. In fact, multiple studies show that those who undergo transitions are more likely to commit suicide than their peers. Kayla's pre-existing mental health concerns, including suicidal thoughts, self-harm, anger, depression, fluctuating moods, and more, persisted after her transition. At the age of 17, she no longer identified as a man and began detransitioning. However, the hormonal and surgical interventions she underwent have left her with profound physical and emotional scars, and she now experiences significant remorse. You can learn more about Kayla Lovedahl on Chloe Cole's YouTube channel. Chloe is another girl who detransitioned. She interviews Kayla, who goes by the name of Layla Jane in the video. The hardest part was like being sold something that I believed was going to help me and make me feel better only to do it, do all of it, and come out on the other side not feeling any better. I really can't, I can't ever undo it. I could have always waited, but I can't, I can't undo it now that I did it. I began transitioning at 12 years old. 12 years old when I started Lupron and um, testosterone, and it was only a month after my 13th birthday that I had a double mastectomy. I was in a place when I make, made those decisions where I did not have my comorbidities under control. And that just shouldn't be how it is when you make these types of decisions. There's just a lot that goes into making such life-changing choices that it's almost under duress when you have all these comorbidities stacked up and these issues 
I came across Chloe Cole's case um, one night while trying to research and Google where my doctors are now and if they're still practicing. And I saw the active sue letter in her lawsuit. I am actively suing Kaiser Permanente um, and I'm suing the doctors that um, gave me those treatments related to my transition. My name is Layla Jane. I'm 18 years old, and I am a woman who has detransitioned. The title of the video is The Disruptive Reality of Child Transition, Layla Jane, and you can find the link to it in the show notes below. See, it's not all negative, friends. There are people coming out of this cult. No, not coming out of the closet. They're coming out of America's religion of LGBTQism. People like Kayla and Chloe and so many others. This year's Pride Month was, was a, a flop compared to previous years. It wasn't as big as previous years. There's a lot of people who are tired of it. There are a lot of people who are waking up to the idea that this is evil in the true sense of the word. Not exaggeration. This is demonic. This is diabolical. This is satanic. And people are getting that. We're seeing where the homosexual movement is leading to. We're seeing where all of this goes, and we're realizing it goes away from God. It goes away from Christ. It goes away from his church, and it causes not only spiritual and eternal harm, and that's extremely bad, but people are waking up because it also causes temporal, earthly harm. These children are being mutilated and hurt in the name of this false doctrine. Let's take a break right there. We'll come back and we'll round up the show looking at some more pushback on America's religion of LGBTQism. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air online at kfuo.org or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. stmarksferndale.com slash contact is where you can go. S-T-M-A-R-K-S, ferndale.com slash contact to send us what you've observed happening in your part of the world for this Pride Month that we just left. America's religion of LGBTQism was celebrated in your part of the world, just as it was in mine and all over the place. And we want to know how we can condemn it, denounce it, speak against it, speak truth in the face of it, and all these sorts of things, as it is a heresy, as we talked about last week. It is false doctrine. And we are people of orthodoxy. We are people who stand on the word of God alone. And we're not ashamed of the gospel. We will speak truth to these lies. We're seeing pushback, friends. We're seeing pushback with these lawsuits and with a united cultural denouncement of this evil religion. Things like the Bud Light and Target boycotts are great examples of this, right? And those reports are rays of light that pierce even our Lutheran biome. Yeah, our little part of the world where we recently saw Thrivent Financial and now Lutheran Social Services of Northern California are genuflecting to the false LGBTQ gods. But there are rays of light in the midst of this darkness. Now, regarding Thrivent, we received some more emails after that show, and this one is from Richard. Richard writes, I would think that the Missouri Synod should issue a statement regarding Thrivent. I met with my pastor and stated that the church should not accept money from Thrivent. I don't know if he agrees, which troubles me. What should be the course of action? Well, Richard, I agree with you, 100%. It's a reasonable expectation that the Synod makes a statement, and even, even that every district of Synod sends out a statement to its district, alerting the faithful people of the church with words that clearly denounce Thriven's position, coupled with the proper confession 
of the church's orthodox doctrine on the matter of LGBTQ sin. This is the Lutheran way. Condemn and affirm. Condemn lies, affirm truth. I see no reason, no reason why we shouldn't see an, uh, a broad and loud condemnation of false teaching. And not just on the LGBTQ issues, on all false teaching. And yes, not only should we pull all of our monies from Thrivent and end all of our policies, we should no longer receive money from them. And I don't just mean we at the individual level, but even the big corporate incorporated level. Yeah, yeah. Missouri Senate needs to make sure it has no ties with Thrivent. And individuals too. We don't need Thrivent's action team money, spiritual blood money, to carry out the work of the Lord. Let them keep their 30 pieces of silver. They can have them. We're more than good with the widow's might. We're going to stick with this and God. You can have your riches and the devil. Our church, its polity is a bottom-up polity. So take care, Richard, and everyone listening, take care of your own involvement with thriving. Do you first. And then keep speaking with your pastor and your congregational leadership regarding your churches, your congregational involvement with Thrivent. And, and then corporately, as a, as a unity, united body, connect with others in your circuit and then in your, in your district and in synod. Connect with the different peeps that, that we could communicate clearly that we're done. We're done being connected to the abomination that Thriven is connected to. That's my recommendation for a course of action, brother. And I want to thank you for writing in. And thank you for talking with your pastor. And that's a great question. What do we do? How do we do this? What should we expect? Well, in L.A., the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were honored by the Dodgers for their life-saving work. And by life-saving work, they mean uh, promoting sex outside of marriage in a way where you can con contract AIDS. Uh, you can uh, do some research on the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and what, what they're being honored for, calling it life-saving work. Uh, the life-saving work wouldn't even be around to do if they would stop existing altogether because they are actually promoting sexual promiscuity among the homosexual population where AIDS and HIV and other diseases are being spread. And they're coming in with um, ways and teachings on how to reduce that. So it's a problem that they're offering a solution to while also perpetuating the problem. So it, it, it's a farce. But while they're doing that down there, Ferndale also had a second encounter with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence this last weekend. They were here for a follow-up visit just this Sunday to further, yeah, yeah, further mock God. In the City of Angels, Christians stood up and protested these Nicolaitan nuns. But here in Ferndale, it was the Balaamite blasphemers who were protesting us Christians as they descended upon our town with a large crowd of LGBTQ activists on Sunday. On a Sunday, during the late morning, while the Lord's people rejoiced that Jesus received us and ate with us, which, by the way, was the theme of my sermon as I preached on Luke 15, 1-7. Here, have a listen. This man receives sinners and eats with them, grumbled the Pharisees and the scribes about Jesus. To which we say, thanks be to God that Christ Jesus receives and eats with sinners, right? If he didn't, you and I wouldn't know the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus. We wouldn't be able to eat with him at his table in the Eucharist if he didn't receive and eat with sinners. We wouldn't be able to draw near to him as we do every single Sunday if Jesus didn't receive sinners. There would be no church for church is where we are drawn near to Jesus. When we're gathered together by his Holy Spirit in the assembly, the congregation, this church is where Jesus receives us, sinners, in his assembly, at his table, at the altar. Thank you, Jesus. 
And because Jesus receives us sinners, the parable of the lost sheep brings intense, immense comfort to the Christian heart. It's Jesus' answer to the, to the holier-than-thou types out there who think that they don't sin. They think that they don't stink up the bathroom when they use it, that, that they're above other people, more righteous. That disposition doesn't only come from the mistaken churchgoer, but manifests itself among the non-Christians, those who haven't learned humility by Christ, our Lord. It's the disposition that rejects an invitation to receive healing, calling that invitation hateful. As I speak, the LGBTQ protest here in Ferndale is underway. Unrepentant sinners are marching in Ferndale for the third year in a row because we put up a sign that read, Hurt by LGBTQ Culture? Healing here. Our worldly neighbors, they responded to an invitation to draw near to Jesus so that he would receive them and eat with them like the Pharisees did. And they continue in their unrepentant Pharisaical behavior, grumbling about Christianity, grumbling about Christ and his people. Who are those Christians to say LGBTQ culture is hurtful? How hateful of them to say that. They're bigots, you know. They're haters, homophobes. We're so much better than them those closed-minded Christians over there at St. Mark Lutheran Church. We're not the sinners that they are. Hmm. Yeah, that's the point. We are sinners. Drawing near to Jesus to be forgiven by Christ. And we're received by Jesus in our repentance. And we'd love for all sinners to know that forgiveness just as we do. The Pharisees were sinners too, but they didn't draw near to Jesus. And so, they weren't received by Jesus. He wants to receive the Pharisees. He wants to receive the, the self-righteous. But they don't want to draw near to him. The same is true for all of our neighbors today protesting God. All of our friends and, and family members who support this demonic rebellion against God. The Lord wants to receive every sinner. And he teaches in the parable. He teaches that he seeks out sinners, even down to the one lost sheep, he says. And as you know from your own experience, because you are that one lost sheep, or at least you were, <laughs> weren't you? I post all my sermons on my YouTube channel for members of St. Mark who can't make it to church for this or that reason, but also for our collective evangelism effort as we go out into the world throughout the week and we want to be able to share with our friends and our family, our neighbors, the word of God. So it's part of our congregational evangelism efforts. And if, if it's helpful for you too, I should mention this, if it's helpful for your evangelism efforts, praise be to God, guy. You can find the link below in the show notes to my YouTube channel. But don't you dare, dear saint, don't you dare listen to one of my sermons in place of going to your own church on Sunday and listening to your own God-given pastor preach God's word to you, the word given to you, for you, in your particular location. Capiche? All right, all right. So the LGBTQ protests was here in town in Ferndale, was aimed at St. Mark. But given that we've already resisted the devil with God's word a couple years ago, and we continue to engage on this front, the devil flees us, James 4, 7 style. And so the pagan party, it stayed a block away from St. Mark on this past Sunday, where the, the lying legion was able to move their stockholmed captives down the street in, away from us in front of the Roman Catholic Church where they actually harangued my, my new friend, new monk here in town, Father O'Hara, as he was trying to make his way into his church to officiate the Latin Mass. The parade is directly in front of the church as Father O'Hara is trying to get there. He has a, a processional cross in his hand and it looks like he's, he's uh, carrying his cassock 
Uh, maybe his Bible, too. Perhaps that's a missile book of some sort. And a green-haired guy, assuming his gender, I probably shouldn't do that, they say, but that looks like a guy to me, is showing him a sign that says, Mothman eats transphobes. And the woman behind him yells out, Bigot on your right! To the person that Father O'Hara is about to pass on his way to the church. And then he makes his way to the church door, and there on the steps... You hear shouts, and perhaps, I, I, I can't tell, are these shouts of celebration? I think that's what was going on, because some people thought he was parading with them, I think. So what does he do? He gives them a thumbs down. <laughs> All right, he gives them a thumbs down to communicate from a distance that he's not with them. And then did you hear what they say? They say, we still love you. As if a thumbs down on what they're doing means he doesn't love them. And so he says, God loves you all. Father O'Hara handled that situation with such grace and poise. The guy was just trying to get to church. He's new in town, just started the Latin Mass up, and he's just trying to get there to hold his service for his people. And this massive parade is moving by and harassing him on his way to carry out his religious beliefs. America's religion, on the other hand, has wrapped up its lectionary calendar's High Holy Month and has entered into ordinary time, you might say. But that doesn't mean that the false religion is not still prevalent and being promoted across the land, dear Christians. So we'd like to learn more about how it's being lived out in your part of the world to better prepare ourselves and better inform ourselves to be like the Magdeburg Lutherans, to be brave and to not sit idly by as things are happening to our brothers in this land, but to actually put our lives and our property at, into extreme danger according to our vocation. We all have different vocations. If there's a way in my vocation I can serve you, I would like to do so. Maybe on this show I can highlight what's going on in your part of the world. So let me know what that is by going to stmarksferndale.com slash contact. S-T-M-A-R-K-S, ferndale.com, slash contact. And while you're interacting with us there, if you wouldn't mind, give the show a positive review, would you? Some positive feedback on whatever platform you're using to listen, to tune in, whatever platform you prefer. Because when you do that, it helps spread cross-defense throughout all the algorithms. And, and I got to tell you, I don't know if you know this, but the conversations we're having on this show aren't exactly their aren't exactly popular uh, with these platforms. These words, these language we're, this, we're using isn't just generating a natural algorithmic spread. We need your help. You know, do the old thumbs up and subscribe and bell ringing things and all the different, whatever you do on your platform that you're listening to this on, help the computer know to spread, spread this out and share it with other people. Maybe you too want to just go ahead and send it to someone. That'd be helpful. But that's it for today, my friends. Until next week, let me remind you to resist the devil and that when you do, it is true. He will flee from you. Amen. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.